Well, open up your Bible to 2 Timothy. We're in the letter of 2 Timothy. Paul wrote two letters to this young man, Timothy, and the second letter deals a, a lot with a lot of things that happened in the first letter. Uh, there was a lot of controversies going on and, and cults, and, and Timothy was a young preacher who was trying to keep a church together in a very difficult time when people were coming up with heresy and, and lies about Christians, and it sounds like today, and it happens all the time. But what Timothy was going through was that he was a young guy that had fears, and there were difficult things that Paul was addressing to him. And here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, what we want to look at today is to be ready to be useful for God. Say that with me. Be ready to be useful for God. That's what God wants in all of our lives. How many of you want to be used by God for God? You know, you want to do something great for God. I know I do, and I'm always saying, God, use my life. And he will. So let's read this beginning with verse 19 here. Be useful for God for 2 Timothy. It says, nevertheless, let's say it all out loud. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Hey, if you're naming the name of Christ, you should not be involved in any iniquity, Paul is telling Timothy and the church. Now, what was happening in the previous chapters, there were these people that were teaching heresy. Uh, Hymaeus and Philagius, these two guys were saying, hey, the resurrection already happened, and there was uh, controversies about the resurrection. Uh, miss, uh, uh, they were uh, speaking bad teaching about the resurrection of Christ. And, and the resurrection is the most essential Christian doctrine because if Christ has not been risen, then we are still dead in our sins. And so Paul is telling Timothy, hey, look out for these bad guys. These guys are, are, are going to attack the church. But that's what I love about this passage here. It says, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. And foundation is the church. Write that down in your Bible, that the foundation he's talking about here is you, the church. The foundation of God stands, having the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Do you know that God knows that you are his? The shepherd knows his sheep. His sheep are called by his name, and they know his voice. You know when the Lord is calling you. I know when the Lord speaks to me and says, Louie, what are you doing? Hey, is that right? Well, you're, you should, are you going to, you know, God speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. And so he says here, the solid foundation of God stands. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So believers, we're not involved in iniquity but we're involved in righteousness, pursuing righteousness. And that's what this passage here is today is about because the church is us and we're going to depart from iniquity. We're not going to be involved in it and anything that looks like iniquity, we're heading towards righteousness. And so that's why beginning with verse 20, let's read this here. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay and some for honor, and some for dishonor. Now, 
in your house, you have utensils that you use. It could be like whether it be furniture or eating utensils or uh, anything that's household uh, things. That's what this word for vessels is, household things. But in a great house, he's speaking of the church. And that's what is so powerful here is that the church of God is the great house. And what God is saying is that in a great house, in his house, in his church, there are these vessels. But he says, that's why he says here in 1 Timothy 3.15, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church, the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So going back to the great house, a great house, there are not only vessels of honor, and that word for vessels is skuos, say skuos, household utensils, domestic gear. Now, in your house, like, I don't know what it is about us, but lately we seem to be using paper plates more often than the regular plates. It's like, well, it's a lot easier. You have people come, just get the paper plates out. I know, remember back in the old days, everybody had uh, the china hutch, right? And you brought out the china when the pastor would come over. Well, I don't know. Yeah, just, uh, you know. Or when somebody special would come over, you bring out the past, you bring out the, the china or the special silverware. Oh, we don't use this silverware. We only use this silverware when it's a special, honorable time. When uh, I'm trying to think of somebody famous, I was going to say Brad Pitt, but I, uh, give me another name here. When somebody really big comes to your house. Okay, when Billy Graham. We've got to pray for Billy Graham. I think he just got out of the hospital, but keep praying for him. Yeah, Billy Graham. Okay, if Billy Graham comes over to your house, you're not going to bring him a, a fried chicken on a paper plate. You're going to get the good plate. You're going to get the good stuff, and you're going to get the good silverware out because it's a place of honor. An honorable person is coming to your house. Now, in this great house, though, there are some vessels of gold, it says here, that, and, there are, and silver, but there are also vessels of clay and wood and some for honor, and some for dishonor. And the dishonorable things, what Paul is talking about here, are the things that you would consider, you would not even consider. For example, you don't think about your trash can very much. You don't think about when you throw away your trash, how honorable the trash can is. You don't think, oh, worship the trash can, or say, hey, put this trash can up here in a special place. We have to put floodlights on it, because when Billy Graham comes over, we really want this trash can to shine. You don't do that. And what Paul is saying is here is that in a great house in the church of God, there are vessels of gold and silver, precious people within the church. But then, this is a very difficult thing here, but what he's saying is that within the church that in Timothy's time, there were those who were preaching heresy and speaking evil and trying to divide the church. Okay, those are the vessels of dishonor. Those are the people that were not of Christ. And so that's why he continues on here. He says in 2 Timothy 2.21, read it with me, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And this is what's difficult in that time, because what happened in Paul's time, Paul is saying, listen, you need to cleanse yourself from those people that are 
preaching heresy. Those people that are not living for God. Those people that are keep gossiping and those people that are spreading rumors, disassociate yourself from those people because they are people of dishonor. And back in that time, there were people, because the church is just getting going, and Paul and Timothy here is this young pastor trying to keep the church pure. Paul is writing them this letter, and there were people that were coming into the church, checking it out, but they were people that had intentions that were not of God. And this can happen in any church. I thank God in our church. When I read this passage, I say, well, I don't see this in our church, but it can happen. There could be people, and they do go to churches with evil intentions. People that go to church that are not really trying to find God, but they're trying to find ways to manipulate other people. And what Paul says here is that if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, those dishonorable people, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So these four, three things, and write these down, is that don't fellowship with people who dishonor Christ. Number one, don't fellowship with these types of people. Now, when you think, well, I'm supposed to be friends with everybody, right? You want to be, in fact, everybody that, as believers of Christ, we want to love everybody. You don't want to say, well, I'm not going to be a friend with you. Or uh, you. Well, The whole point here is that what God is saying is that I want my church pure. I want my church holy. But if somebody comes into your church and it can happen in our church that is pointing people away from Christ, disassociate yourself from them. And that's what we do as, as the leadership of this church. We're always working to protect our church from those types of people. And that's why he says, continue reading. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master. And the word for cleanses is ekkarthairo. Say ekkarthairo. That's a tough one. But to cleanse thoroughly, away from, and we get the, the word catharsis. It's a cleansing. It's a cleaning. Ek, always away or out of, pushing away, and catharsis. So you, you're cleansing. You're, you're cleansing yourself from these types of people. And this is a very difficult thing in that time. Paul, Timothy is this young pastor who's trying to keep his church together in Ephesus when there is so much rampant evil going around. If you've ever been to Europe, I remember Dan and Kelly are leaving for Rome today or Paris, and I don't know what it is about the Italians, but if it, I was like, we go through Europe and everything's going, it's kind of, you know, like, yeah, these Europeans, they live a little differently than us Americans, but it got into Italy and the Rome, and I said, whoa, this place is, it's just a, a lot of, you know, like billboards, it was almost like pornographic, and I think, wow, this is, this is back in 1972, that was the last time I was in Italy, but it was, it was like, it was a young college student, and a lot of bad things, and I am, I'm sure that it has not improved. So, Paul is saying, Timothy, ekathyro, they cleanse yourself from those who are teaching against Christ in the church. Those people, disassociate yourself from them, and Look what it says here about the word for ladder, or this is our vessels of dishonor. That's what it's referring to. The word for ladder, and write that down because it's very important. The vessels of dishonor are not to be associated with by people who are pursuing righteousness. Now, he goes on to say here in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, in fact, let's open up our Bibles, open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 
because this is a really important passage that he's dealing with here. It's something we need to examine regarding defilement in the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as it is not even named among the Gentiles. They say, hey, there's sexual immorality going on in the church that's not even happening in Italy. I mean, this is really bad. This is really something that the church needs to look out for. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For indeed, as absent in the body but present in the spirit, have already judged, and though I were present, him who has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, and that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your glorifying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you are truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you, in verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. And yet, I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard, or an extortioner, or not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are outside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Whoa! It speaks very harshly, doesn't it? And as I listen to this, I examine my own life. And that's why we come to church. And that's why we go from verse to verse very carefully and, and study every word because God wants his church pure. God wants you to examine your life. He wants to examine your heart. Am I really pursuing righteousness, or am I one of these people that God is saying to look out for? You see, more than anything else, what God is doing right now, he's preparing his bride. He's waiting for his bride to be prepared, to become holy, to get righteous, to get waiting for his return. He's not returning until we get things right with ourselves until that last person comes to know Jesus and his church is holy and pure and sanctified. And I know that what God wants to do at Sarah Mesa Christian Fellowship is the, that we get our lives right with Christ. That we be children of God who are saying, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you and I want to be not one of those people that are to be shunned. I want to be one of those people that is being used for God. And that's why he says here in 2 Thessalonians 3, if anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him 
so that he will be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. See, that's the whole point, is that we do not treat another brother as an enemy, but we say, brother, I notice that you need to get your life right with Christ. I notice that there are things in your life that are not really pleasing to the Lord. What is it that we need to do? And there's times we need to confront another believer. And there's times when we need to, be, uh, to exhort somebody and to, and to lift somebody up. But you do it in love, right? Yeah. And not condemning or, or everybody talking about you. But we say, can we talk with you in a loving way? We love you so much. We don't want you to head to destruction. We want to help you to get you out of this, this thing that you're going through. So, and, that, and this is a difficult letter. And this is a difficult thing that what the church is going through in Paul's time. And, but he says the character of an honorable vessel, and these, write these three things down, the character of an honorable vessel is that he is sanctified to God. He is sanctified to God. That means he is setting himself apart. And sanctified means there literally be the set apart to be considered holy. And, and that's why he says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, the latter he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified holy. Now, hagiazo is the word for sanctified, to make holy, to separate from profane things, and then to dedicate yourself to God. So what it's saying is that you're in the pit, you're in the mire, you're, you're living this, this way, you're a Christian, and you're really not following Christ. You, you've lost your first love, and Christ says, I want you to be sanctified. That means separated from that old lifestyle, and now I want to start living this new lifestyle. I've been living this phony Christian life too long. Now I'm going to start living for Jesus. And that's what God is saying here. And this is something that I, as I study this, I said, wait a minute. Is this really, is he talking to the church? And I kept thinking, well, maybe he's talking to unbelievers. But no, he's speaking to us as Christians. Be hagiazod, be holy, be separate from profane things that not even non-Christians are doing. You know, it's hard, it's hard for us to imagine that even in the church that this can happen. What I love about our church is that you guys are working hard at it. And I, and I know you are. And I know you're serving the Lord. And, and I want to lift you up and to encourage you that I see as a pastor that we're, we're striving to be strong Christians in Christ. We're not perfect, but we're working at it, right? And if there was immorality in the church, we would have to address it. And we would have to do it in love. But what God is saying right here is that if we see it, don't be continually hanging around people that are going to drag you down. Bad company corrupts good morals. The character of an honorable vessel also, he is submissive to God. That means you are submissive to God. And that's why the word here uh, for submissive, or in this passage, is eucrestos, to make easy to make, easy to make use of. That means that, that you're submissive and that whatever God asks you to do, you're ready to do it. And, and you're, you're bendable and you're pliable and you're, you're, you're so flexible in your Christian living for God. So God, you know, you're heading one direction. God has said, I, I want you to go this direction, but stop right there. Now I want you to go this direction. And you're flexible. And that's what I love about flexible Christians. You can be working with them and and as a pastor, sometimes I say, hey, let's, let's do this project over here. And then I, 
I'll abandon this project. Wait a minute. I think we need to do this one over here. And I, some of you are really patient with me. Pastor Louie, okay, we're going to be really pa- Ralph's real patient with me. Are we, we're working on a, pa- a project, and I said, wait a minute, let's, let's do this new project. Although, how many of you have undone projects at home? You're working on 10 books by your bed. You know, you're trying to you read. We start on projects, and we don't finish our projects. And you say, well, I'm going to be a great painter. You get paints, and you're going to start painting. And you, you, don't, you want to be, you know, a star you want to go on Star Search, or you want to be on American Idol. You're going to be the best singer in the world, but then you give that up and you say, I'm going to be the best motorcycle rider in the world. You know, God is saying, hey, listen, I want you to just be flexible with my call. And that's why the Eucrestus Christian say, Eucrestus. That's what you need to be, to easy to make use of without complaining to God. And so a Vessel of honor is somebody that is not only sanctified, separating himself from doing the things of, that worldly people are doing, but you're, you're flexible and you're submissive to God. And then the other thing here is that a character of an honorable vessel is he's prepared to be used by God. You're prepared to be used by God. And that's why the word for prepared is hetoimazo, hetoimazo. I'm preparing you guys. If you learn, you're going to learn a whole new vocabulary. And what I like about the Greek language is the, the prefixes and the suffixes. You learn some of the root words, and you learn, really, you're learning your vocabulary, but you're learning the root of what God is trying to say. So, hetomizo, ready to make necessary preparations. You're ready to make necessary preparations. And that's what, just like for any trip, you get ready the night before. Before church, you don't just wake up in the morning and go to church. You get your clothes laid out, right? Men, you shine your shoes. Well, some of you, okay, maybe. I remember as a 10-year-old boy, I'd be going to church, and I'd be on Saturday night shining my shoes, getting ready to go to church the next Sunday. Amen. Well, okay, not today. But, you know, the thing is, is that, I, you know, you, you get ready, and you think about, well, uh, tomorrow after church, we've got to have to get these things. So you're lining things up. You're getting prepared for church. And the hetomizo is that you're ready to make necessary preparations. Lord, if you're calling me to Africa today, I'm ready to go. I've got everything lined up. I am ready to serve you. You're not encumbered by all of the, the, the guilt and the, the things that, that go on in some people's lives that say, man, I can't serve God. i got too much of my life right here. God is saying, I'm ready to call Christians that are, that are ready to go to serve me. And that's what... The word here, hetomizo, means prepared for every good work. You're prepared to serve God. Now, going on here, and it's so neat, is that what the Christian is supposed to do, ready to serve, is that you're ready to run from evil. Run from evil. And the word for flee, read this with me in 2.22. Flee also youthful lust. Say that, let's say it all loud together. Flee also youthful lust but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So the word for flee here is fuego. Say fuego. Fuego. To run away. We get the word from fugitive. In fact, uh, we need to be fugitives, to seek safety by running, a fugitive. That's what fuego means. He's saying flee as a fugitive from those people that are 
bringing you down. That bad company, those people that are, are trying to get you to live away from Christ, dishonor Christ, those dishonorable vessels, vessels of dishonor, flee from them. And, and when you flee from something, if you're running from something, you're running towards something, right? So if you're fleeing from immorality, you need to be fleeing towards righteousness, pursue righteousness. Now, Paul keeps telling Timothy about talking about these things, these, this immorality, and you kind of wonder what was Timothy going through in that time. Timothy's about a young man. He's in his 30s and, uh, you know, middle-ish 30s or so, and he's going through sexual temptations. He's going through a difficult time because he has seen the billboards there in Ephesus, the so-called billboards, and he knows that on the street corners there is prostitution, and there's the temple prostitutes, and there are the um, the immorality of what's going on in Ephesus is, is a big cultural center where a lot of evil things are going on. Paul is telling him here, Timothy, you've got to flee youthful lusts. Now, this is an interesting thing here because you think, well, he's a pastor of a church. He doesn't have youthful lusts. Well, I'm going to share something with you guys here is that as a man in my 50, I'm going to be 60 years old next year. You know, I have to my this day still have not overcome the temptations that are in our city and in this world. I'm just sharing this with you young men because there's always going to be temptations. And there's always going to be and, you know, I'll tell you, though, my youthful lusts back when I was 18 are different from the youthful lusts that now I'm at this age. There are, I, but you know what? They're still there. I want you guys to know that as long as you're in this flesh still breathing, you're going to have youthful lusts. All right, man? There's always going to be pornography around. There's always going to be uh, money issues that you're going to have to deal with. There's going to be uh, power issues that you're going to struggle with. But what God is saying here is that, Timothy, you need to flee those immoral things that are going to destroy your life and destroy the church. And I want you men to know that you're always going to be facing temptation. But the Bible says, there is no temptation taken you, but as common to man, but God is faithful and just who will not suffer you to, through temptation, but help you to escape it. You know, this is really important for you to know that as a man, you're going to struggle. But what God has given you is a commandment. He says the word fuego, run away. God always gives you a path to run away. He always gives you that road to run away. And, and it's not a physical thing, but it can be a physical thing. And that with Joseph, remember Potiphar's wife came after Joseph, and she said, sleep with me. They were alone in that castle together. And she was pursuing him. Joseph is a handsome young man, and Potiphar's wife says, come and hey, nobody's around. No one will know. 
But he got up and he ran. He fuegoed out of there. And, well, I don't know what the Hebrew word is, but the, he, you know, the transliteration is that he got out of there as fast as he could, and all she had was his coat. And she yelled, said, he's tried to rape me. Now, what God is saying here to Timothy, though, is that it's not the physical thing. You do have to run physically sometimes. But what he's saying is that it's a mental state of being, Timothy. Where are you at mentally in your state of fleeing from the things that are going to, are the youthful lusts? What are those areas in your life that you need to stop thinking about? And that's what happens whenever you're tempted by the enemy. It always starts with a thought. It always starts with an imagination. And then it goes into uh, you're playing with the imagination, and then you get into it more, and then it develops into something physical. When God is saying, I want you to flee the thinking of it. Flee those youthful lusts. Flee those... Because what Timothy is that even though he's a young man, he's going to be an older pastor. And as an older pastor, it doesn't mean that you have no longer any temptations, you're still going to have temptations, but what you do is you develop a pattern of pursuing righteousness rather than the youthful lust thing. Now, we're living in an age where it's, for you guys, for all of us men, it's a difficult thing to live in this contemporary age where there's so many temptations. But you know what? God is greater, and God has said, I've given you my Holy Spirit, and my Holy Spirit will give you the courage, and we're going to look at this in a few verses later, how you can be stronger by pursuing the righteousness of God. Now, the word for pursue is epithumia. It's that desire or craving, epithumia. Epithumia, the Y is pronounced like a U. Epithumia, desire or craving. You crave righteousness. Now, the, the craving can be used in two ways. Epithumia can be used in two ways. It can be used to uh, for the evil craving, or it could be used in a good craving. And that's what you want, to counteract the evil craving, epithumia, for the, the great, incredible craving for God, epithumia for God. So epithumia, desire, a craving for righteousness. Isn't that the kind of men we want to be? We want to crave righteousness. We want to crave the things of God. You crave the Word of God. You crave to want to be around Christian people. I want to crave to be uh, uh, somebody that is going to be serving the Lord. So that's what he's telling Timothy. Crave righteousness. And that's why in 1 Timothy 6, 11 says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. He's saying, pursue these things. Flee those things. And, and what he's talking about in, in 1 Timothy 6 was that he says that that's where the verse is talking about that, uh, that money, the love of money, is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, what does Philip Wilson used to say about love of money? Or he had something about the, what's that? Well, the devil made me do it. Yeah, well, the love of money, the, the love. Or anyway, he used to do this preacher thing and say, man, I love that. I, I'm blowing my lines here, okay. I, I, anyway, anyway, 
a lot of you don't even know who Flip Wilson is, but he, he would get into that preacher mode and he would be preaching about the love of money and, and uh, man, but I just love that money. And he would talk about it. And it was, but Paul is telling Timothy is that, hey, that love of money is going to drag you down. You know what he says? I want you to be content with these three things. Food, clothing, and shelter, Timothy. If you've got food, be content with that. If you have clothing, just be content with that. If you have a roof to sleep under, be content with that. Don't be craving for money or for power. And these, all these things that he's addressing Timothy is that he continues on and on. You think, well, Timothy, what was your problem back then? Because he keeps telling them, stay away from sexual immorality. Stay away from those things that are, are going to drag you down and the power and the lust and everything. I want you to pursue righteousness. This is a letter from a man who is an older man, Paul, addressing a younger man. He said, listen, I know that you're going through these temptations, but be a strong man of God. Pursue righteousness. Now, flee youthful lusts. Let's say it again. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Very important things, these, these things. And that's why James 4, 7, read it with me. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hey, we need to put the devil on the run. He needs to be the fugitive, right? I mean, why should you be the fugitive? You, you, how many remember, remember the fugitive? With the, was it Ben Gazzara? Okay. What was his name? Well, that was, it used to be a TV show called The Fugitive. Oh, Peter Jansen. David Jansen, okay. Handsome young guy. He was always looking over his shoulder because he was a fugitive. He was, that's what the fugitive I remember was the TV, the black and white TV show in the 60s. He was running. And he was always, I don't even remember what he was running from. He did something, actually, he, he was being accused of killing his wife. He didn't kill his wife, but he was always looking over his shoulder. You see, you don't need to be looking over your shoulder Trying to, where is the devil? Is he trying to get me? Is he trying to get me to sin? No, you're pursuing righteousness. And if you're pursuing righteousness, you don't have to look over your shoulder. But you know what? The devil is going to be looking over his shoulder for you because you're going to be a man of God equipped with the armor of God. And the devil needs to be on the run. You don't, you don't let the devil chase you. I mean, Satan is, is, is a weak uh, creature when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to a spiritual man. A man that is living for God, the devil is afraid of you because he knows that the power of God is working through you. And so he says, let's, let's open up to Galatians chapter 5. Read these verses with me. In Galatians chapter 5, after we've read, uh, going back to the left of, uh, there of Timothy, Galatians chapter 5, and beginning with yeah, verse 16, he says, I say then, walk, by the, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, 
contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, this is a terrible lineup of, of evil things that no Christian should be associated with or practicing or associating with people who do. But then he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. In verse 6, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. See, we need to be walking by the Spirit, not by the flesh. How do you walk by the Spirit? You're pursuing righteousness. You're getting yourself cleaned up, as Timothy is being told by Paul, and that you don't hang around those people that are going to be doing those things. And that's why, as parents, you're always, your kids are, you're telling your kids, I don't want you hanging around that kid that's, you know, you, you see that, I mean, there's, there's children that are being misled, and, but you don't want your children to go into danger if the kid is doing drugs or if the kid is doing something that is going to uh, harm himself and then harm other people. You want to protect your children. The same thing in the church. We protect the church by do not associate with those that are so-called Christians who are engaging in activity that is contrary to the teaching of Christ. So the word for sarks here is uh, flesh is sarks. It's that human nature, which we all have, which we all struggle with, and that we all are every single day we're in this spiritual warfare. Are we going to live for Christ or are you going to live in the flesh? You're going to live in the sarks. And that's what the desire, epithumia again, the craving and lust for the flesh. So if you're walking by the Spirit, you're not going to crave the flesh you're going to crave the things of the Spirit. Now, how are we going to do this? Look what it says in Ephesians. Open up your, let's go to Ephesians, the next book after Galatians, Ephesians. What's the next book? Philippians. Philippians. Remember those four books in a, word, in a row. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I, I remember by the electric... Um, Power, General Electric Power Company. General Electric Power Company. G-E-P-C. General Gentiles eat pork chops. Okay. Whatever way you can remember it. Yeah, Gentiles eat pork chops. There's a, there's a few others, we won't get it. But those four little books in a row... And I love what it says here, though, 
in verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. He said, well, beginning in verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You know what? I'm reading chapter 5. Okay. All right. Go to, go to verse 10. Don't follow the... Uh, okay. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to proclaim, to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Put on the whole armor of God. So that means that every single day you battle up, you get ready for battle. Every single day you put on your helmet of salvation. That means as a Christian, your helmet of salvation. The shield of faith. I mean, the greater you're seeking God, you have this great shield because the Roman soldier at that time would have one from top, from head to, to his feet to protect themselves from arrows and from, from any type of battle. You know, so that's what, the bigger your shield, the more protection. The more faith, the more you're pursuing God, the less of pursuing, fleeing, you're, you're fleeing those youthful lusts and pursuing righteousness, the bigger your shield. What God wants more than anything else in our, in our church is that you be prepared for battle. Prepared because we're living in these last days. And it's not May 21st, okay, by the way. It's not May 21st. Don't get confused with that because we are living in the last days, but God is doing something and he's preparing all of us as believers, but get on the full armor of God. And then Romans 12, 21, do not be over, say it with me out loud. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So let's be a good-doing church, always doing good, always helping out, always serving, always be ready to be used by God, always just prepared to say, Lord, use me, and I'm ready to be used because I'm a clean vessel. I, I, and you know how it is when you reach for a coffee mug and you say, wait a minute, this thing doesn't look clean to me, and you want to be a ready-used vessel for God that is for the master because you love the master. You love Jesus and you're ready to be wherever he wants you to be and to be used wherever he wants you to be used for. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your promise that you've given us these incredible promises in your word that those who flee and go towards righteousness 
you will bless and you will keep and hold. And Lord, I know that in our church, you are working in every single one of us. And I pray that you will give us that craving and desire for righteousness and not to engage in ourselves in anything that will be dishonorable to you. Lord, thank you for your love. And I thank you for your promise that you will always keep us and protect us. And you're going to, you're right now, you're preparing a place for us. And that you're coming back soon. And this morning, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you need prayer and if you're going through struggles in your life and if you just need to help in this fleeing from youthful lusts and you need to pursue righteousness, I'm going to ask that you pray with me this prayer, just silently, right where you're seated. Lord Jesus, you know my heart. You know my weakness. And I pray that you will heal me and deliver me. And I pray above all, Lord, that you will help me to put on this armor of God daily to be a righteous man of God, a righteous woman of God, seeking you and serving you. I want to be prepared, ready to be used by you. No longer idly sitting by and doing my own thing, but what is it you want? I want to be ready to be used by the Master. Thank you, Lord. And if you've never accepted Christ, you can come to Jesus today. You can pray this prayer with me, just right where you're seated. Lord Jesus, I believe that you did die on the cross, that you were buried, you rose again on the third day, and your, your blood washes away all my sins. And so, Jesus, I confess my sin to you. Forgive me. Make me a new person. You've said in your word, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And so, Lord, I pray that today you will reignite my life to make me a fire for Christ, to make me a man of God that is ready to be used for the Master. And all God's people said,